Thank you, Brother Raimondi. Exodus chapter 14 tonight. We've been here, and I should have just started from the very beginning of Exodus 14, worked our way through it again, and um, I, it's really just, it's not by design. I, I wanted to uh, preach something else tonight. I just couldn't get away from this. Uh, we are kind of in limbo until we get through this uh, period of the summer before we start back into another book and series. And so just one of these, we're just trying to find the mind of the Lord. Let me mention a couple more things to you to pray about. One, I want to encourage the men. The captain already announced about the men's refresher. And if, if you need to go back and watch the video, very short, I do so. And, and the ladies have really been, they've been on top of this. This is designed for the men. And yet the ladies are benefiting, it, benefiting from it maybe more than we are because they're, they're utilizing it. And so they've been sending out the questions and, and uh, been getting more testimonies from the ladies than I have the men. And so something, we've got to do something there. We've got to, um, we've got to change that. And so we're going to send out twice as many questions to the men is what we're going to do. And, um, and maybe we'll send out some pictures or something and, and, and get them on board. But we've got to do this. So this is going to help. Um, if not, we're going to remain paralyzed. And we can't be paralyzed in this area. You, you're paying attention to anything going on in society. You find it's a constant attack against men being men. It's just a constant attack. And so I, um, I, I was reading a book this week, picking back up, and uh, regarding the, one of the first books, classic books, regarding the Titanic. Um, and uh, just going over again some of the, the things uh, that, that took place that night and, and just reminded of when the uh, emergency was made known, they started filling those lifeboats with women and children first, women and children first, women and children first. Would you know how confusing that would be to have the society today to figure out who qualifies for that? We're in a mess, and so we need all the help, and it starts in the house of God. So I just want to let men know we'll be sending out questions tomorrow, and um, we're just trying to pace. That's the whole point of doing this in smaller chunks. Then let me ask that you would pray. Tomorrow I'm doing a funeral for a non-church member, um, a gentleman by the name of Robert Young, who passed his daughter, Vanita Lucci. Uh, was a good friend of Andrea's way, way back, and uh, she uh, had has asked if I would do the funeral. That'll be tomorrow. The viewing's 10 to 11. The service will be at 11 over at Cowan. Um, They're on the uh, bypass access road. So just pray there. Uh, I don't know who will be there, but I will give the gospel. And so just ask the Lord to do the uh, the, the service and then the gravesite as well. So I appreciate prayer there. And, um, and then praying uh, for uh, next couple of weeks, uh, I'll be preaching. I've got slated 20 different uh, times I'll be preaching starting next Monday night at camp in West Virginia. I'll be preaching 13 times that week and then going over to Dundalk, Maryland. Pastor Stacy Shiflett be preaching revival for him, and so it'll be another seven times there. 
And so I ask that you would pray. And I just met with a group of preachers yesterday in Jefferson. They're outside of Athens. And uh, it was a preacher's prayer fellowship. And that's a great fellowship. A lot of preacher's fellowships are just preaching. And, uh, and so really the attendance of those are usually based upon the popularity of the preacher. But in preacher's fellowships, it's the same as oftentimes in many churches, the lowest attended meetings are the simple prayer meetings. But that's what we need more than anything. And, and I was asked to, to speak on the matter of prayer. And I'm thankful that we can still believe the truth that prayer can do anything that God can do. And so let's keep praying and keep believing God to do great things. And, um, and then Brother Freddie, I think, is heading out tomorrow. Is that right? Is Freddie there? Is it tomorrow? Is it tomorrow you're heading out to the west? Where are you going to? Montana again. And uh, we always try to uh, help Brother Freddie and his team that will be going out and, and uh, working with uh, encouraging churches and doing a lot of canvassing. And so we're praying for safety and traveling. And then also just the, the uh, immense spiritual warfare they run into when they get out there and want to be a uh, help and encouragement. We'll get an update from Brother Freddie when he gets back on that. And so Exodus 14 tonight we won't be long. I do want us to look at a, a truth. And, and I, a lot of times when I'm not in a series, I'm not going somewhere where it's already laid out or in, in the passage picking up the next verse in the passage. A lot of times I'm going off of what is it that I might need? What is it that the Lord's dealing with me about? And I've often said, and, and it is true, that I preach what I need to hear, hoping somebody else can benefit from it. And so tonight when I look at a truth, I believe it'll be a help because it is God's truth. And so let's stand together and we'll look at Exodus chapter 14. And we read this last week, so let's go to verse number 13. Let's back up to verse 12. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. This is the Israelites, the people of God. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people... Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. We looked at this some time ago. I was trying to find the notes and it's been probably four or five years. But we must understand what God's people have gone through as a reminder that they're here not by accident in Exodus 14. They're here because God meant for them to be there. And what are they doing? They're complaining about it. As if, look what happened. Don't, don't you realize, Moses, there was a better place we could have died. No, they're there because God wanted them to be there. And God made known, we saw, we read this last week, earlier in the chapter, that God was wanting them to see, God wants us to see, 
God is more concerned about His glory than our relief. We're more concerned about our relief, thinking as long as I'm taken care of, God will be better off. But God was really ultimately, he was doing all that he was doing, he said, so that he would get the glory that everyone would know that he is God and there is none like him. And God then had them face their enemy while focusing on the Lord. And then we find that they're crying out to Moses and Moses does what? He cries out to God, learning to pray. But here he tells them in verse 13, Fear ye not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. Verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you and he shall hold your peace. Let's look at tonight this thought. When you're at the Red Sea, and we don't have notes tonight, um, the uh, copy, we got new copy machine uh, equipment over there. It's also a time machine, and it does all kinds of things if you look at it, but uh, it's still getting worked on right now. We have the, uh, the Xerox man over there working on it, so we didn't get some things translated. But when you're facing your Red Sea, stay calm. Stay confident. And give God time to work. Stay calm, stay confident in God, and give God time to work. Thank you. Please be seated. Moses was a man of faith who knew that Pharaoh's army was no threat to Jehovah God. He gave several commands to the people, and the first was, fear not. Fear not. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Now, sometimes fear energizes us and we quickly try to avoid danger, but sometimes fear paralyzes us and we don't know what to do. Israel was tempted to flee, so Moses gave a second command. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Fear not. Now stand still. We get this fight or flight mentality. By faith, the Jews had marched out of Egypt. And now by faith, they would stand still and watch God destroy the Egyptian charioteers. Moses not only told them to stand still, but in essence, to also be still. Be still and ye shall hold your peace. Be still and and not just sit idle and not just sit there and and murmur and complain and grit your teeth and and, and watch the, 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 the second hand on your watch. No, be still because you're wanting to defer now to God. How easy it would have been to cry, complain, and keep criticizing Moses. Moses is keeping us here, and we shouldn't be here. This is not good for us. But none of those things would have helped them out of their predicament. Unbelief always complains. But faith always surrenders and submits. 
Remember Jesus when he was being tried, there he was being falsely accused there at the hands of Pilate. And you find that Jesus even there was sweetly submissive because it was the will of the Father. And here the Israelites are complaining because they're in unbelief. But unbelief, while it complains, faith will always obey and it brings glory to the Lord. Which would have brought more glory? The Israelites running and doing that which seemed right in their own minds, escaping peril and in their eyes immediate or uh, eventual death to flee from that or to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know. See, a lot of times people are just being still and they start complaining because we've just been still too long. Well, the, that's only part of the equation. He never said just be still. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. What is there to complain about when we have the wonderful promise of Exodus 14 and verse 14? The Lord shall fight for you. You know what? I feel like much of my, my ministry is trying to get people to let God do the fighting for them. Let God do the work. Let God do the deliverance. Preaching to the preachers yesterday, reminding them, let God do the miracles. God can do miracles. Did you know that he's still a miracle working God? Later in their journey, there would be help. Um, the, the Lord, however, would help Joshua. The Lord would help the Jewish army fight their battles in uh, chapter 17. But this time, God would defeat the Egyptians without Israel's assistance. The point is, whatever God says, that's what's important. And we see in this passage, stand still. And then a little bit later, he'll say, go forward. And he works through human leadership because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Dr. Childs, how many would not be in the ministry today if you would have helped them when they said in Bible college, I think I need to get out. I think I need to just, Jesus is coming soon and I can't wait till I graduate. I just need to go ahead and get out. I think I need to go back. My family needs me. Time and time, there are more things that will come up every day that would give us reason to be able to jump out, press the pause button, fast forward, look for the shortcut. And all the while, we're taking shortcuts, but no one takes a shortcut to Jesus except the only shortcut to Jesus is repentance. What is God wanting you to do? Well, remember Dr. Bob Sr. said the test of a man's character is whatever it will take to stop you. And so what is it that Moses is telling them that God has told their leader, wait on God. Wait on God. And a preacher was telling me one time that he asked Sam Davison, going, he was going through some stuff, asked Sam Davison, after he laid out this scenario and thought only somebody who's been through ministry is going to be able to understand it and be able to help. 
And he said that, he told Brother Davison, he said, Brother Davison, what advice do you have for me? Brother Davison said, wait on God. He said, I talked an hour trying to explain the situation. And all Brother Davison said was three words, wait on God. Waiting is pretty tough. We don't like waiting, do we? You know what my least favorite place is when going to the doctor? It's the waiting room. No, I showed up for my appointment time, not for the waiting room time. I won't in. I sit down at a restaurant and I expect to order right away. I, I, if we ever order an appetizer, we say, put it all in together because they want to stagger this. I don't want to stagger this. And we're, we're, it's, it's, it takes 30 minutes for them to come and take your order. It takes another 15 minutes just to get the water that we ordered. And it's just, I don't want to wait. This, this, this is, the, the sun's going to come up in the morning. We've got to hurry. If the light is green, the cars ahead of me need to go now. And the horn gets honked if they don't move. No, I don't honk it. It's the passenger that reaches over and honks it. <laughs> and that is the truth. I don't want anybody to, to, to look at me when in the vehicle is like, I didn't do it. I did not do it at all. And if somebody honks at me, then it really gets on. And, uh, and it's still, it's not me. I'm just, no, just let them, just let them be. It's, it's, it's okay. We live in an impatient society. We want what we want and we want it right now. I was even reading about a pot roast, Brother Cherry, that you can cook in a microwave in less than 10 minutes. It can't be good. It just can't be. It can't even be. I don't even think it's real meat. We view waiting to be a terrible thing. You used to hear about waiting for a child to be delivered. That was back in the old days. I did read about a father-to-be who is in one of those waiting rooms, nervously wringing his hands in the hospital. And, and finally, a nurse opened the door and said, well, sir, you have a little girl. And that was back in the day. That, that, that was the real gender reveal. <laughs> you know, the gender reveal called divine gender reveal when the baby's born. We're, in such, we're so impatient, we have to have some kind of gender reveal party. Well, that's called birth. <laughs> right, that's fine if you want to, you got all the money to blow it on, a, on a, just another party. Yeah, you go right ahead. I ought to do a sermon reveal party. We ought to do that. <laughs> we kind of do. I work it in whenever I want to, but this... And maybe that's why I don't get invited to the gender reveal parties. I don't ever know. But um, hey, we, we waited until they were born. It just, it, there was something about that element. Especially you wait 17 years and, man, it was something to wait and not know. It, it, there's, there, there's, there's nothing like it. And um, I just would just kind of like, like doing it God's way. I don't know. You know, there's just... You know, no, no, no pressure. You do whatever you want to do. But anyway, anyway, this father said, uh, they're waiting in the waiting room. Uh, the nurse said, it's a girl. And the father said, oh, that's such a blessing. Because she'll never have to go through the agony that I've gone through in waiting 
tonight. You know, we just view waiting as to be so torturous. When we refuse to wait on God and allow Him to work according to His schedule, we take matters into our own hands. The results are always disastrous. I cannot solve every problem. I cannot cure every hurt. I cannot avoid every fear. But I can leave room for God. I don't have the answer to every dilemma, but I can leave room for God to work. I can't do the impossible, but He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. God knows what He's doing. He isn't controlled even by our impatience. You may be praying for something right now. You might be in a jam. But there's a powerful challenge, I believe, for us tonight. Wait. Wait. God will work on your behalf in His time. Wait on the Lord. Commit your Red Sea experience and situation to Him in prayer. Trust Him. Believe that He has you where you are by His design. Wait for him to work. Now, this is contrary to our provocative and and even proactive and assertive ways of handling matters. Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 37, verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Let me give you a definition of waiting on God. And again, I apologize. We don't have the, the, uh, the slides tonight, but, but G. Campbell Morgan said this. thought this was a great help. He'll give three three things here that waiting means. I'll I'll say it and I'll repeat it, but listen carefully. Waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, Readiness for any new command that may come. And third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. I'll read it again. Waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. And third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. That's G. Campbell Morgan. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4 says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee. Listen, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. In Isaiah, waiting for God implies that the people of God are in trouble. That's the implication. They're in danger from Enemies And the temptation is very great to hastily seek the help of men instead of waiting for God to act. 
Isaiah 31 verse 1, it says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. In other words, he's saying, Woe, woe, danger to those that are relying upon what they can do. Why? He says, But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. So how do we wait on God? How do we wait on God? Seeking the Lord in His will, and this is the answer. How do we wait on the Lord? Seeking the Lord and His will before any human aid is pursued. Seek the Lord and His will before you contact and seek somebody else. To help. The first act of waiting is to seek God's counsel in prayer before any attempt is made to solve the problem ourselves. And it should go without saying that when we wait for God's counsel, we're submissive. We're surrendered to it. We're not telling him what we must do. We're like patients phoning the doctor for advice on how to treat the rising pain. The answer may come in two forms, both of which involve more waiting for him. He may tell you to do something, or he may tell you to do nothing. Again, Isaiah 30, verse 15, if you jot that down, is a great, great example of that. God's will was that they let him save them in quietness and rest, but they preferred to escape their own way. And what happened? God did not work for them. God wanted to deliver his people in quietness and rest. They preferred to escape their own way, so God just backed out of it altogether. You want to do it? You do it. Psalm 106, verse 13, they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. So when we pray for God's counsel, we must be prepared to hear him say what Moses did at the Red Sea. What Moses said, fear not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Amy Carmichael, missionary to India, wrote, Blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from that clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. And that stillness, you know what his will is. So how do we wait on God? Seek the Lord in his will before seeking human intervention. Number two, trust the Lord enough to be still. Trust the Lord enough to be still when he says, be still. Trust the Lord enough to be still. When you trust the Lord enough to be still when he tells you to be still, guess what will happen? You'll see the arm of God. You know what's wrong? I mentioned to the preachers yesterday. You know what's wrong with our ministries? You know what's wrong why we're not seeing miracles? Is because we see too much man. When you don't have an emphasis on prayer, when you're, you, and usually when someone says, you know, I don't do the Christ Walk Journal, that's because they really don't really have a better plan. 
They just don't want to have to put themselves through and they'll talk about their independence. You know, I can do, you can do whatever you want to do. But when you're making excuses and complaining about something that says, seek God, seek his face, it's usually because they're not seeking God or wanting to seek his face. And when prayer is minimized in a church, it's because we are much more content to let man, let man do it and let man get involved. But when man gets involved, God just backs off. Trust the Lord enough just to be still when he says to. God may say, enter the battle. God may say, Stand still and watch. How do we wait on God? Seek the Lord in His will before seeking human intervention. Trust the Lord enough to be still when He says to. And then a third thing is depend upon God to work even when we are most active. Depend upon God to work even when we are most active. In other words, it's not I'm waiting on God until I work. I either wait or I work. No, you're always to wait on God. The reason why Peter sank is because when Peter was walking, he stopped depending upon the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is not being passive, is not passivity. It is an active dependence upon the Lord, but it's not going ahead of him. It's not lagging behind him, nor is it working instead of him. It's simply listening to him and any activity, it ought to have the DNA of God all over that. But oftentimes the problem is, well, God said, go. But if you don't go the way God says, Peter could have said, Lord, you just said step out. I stepped out. Yeah, but you step out, not in dependence upon the Lord. You'll drown. Always stay in dependence upon Him. Never is there an excuse not to trust the Lord. What was the, the promise that God gave Abraham? I'll give you a son. And so what did Abraham hang on to? God said, I'll give you a son. So what did Abraham do? He tried to help God out. And God said, thank you, Abraham. I needed your help. No, God says, you're not going to have the blessing and the promise until you get you out of the situation. Moses said, God picked me. God wanted to use Moses. But God could not fully use Moses to the extent that God wanted to use Moses until Moses had gotten out of Moses. So God put him on the backside of the desert 40 years. And he didn't check in with Moses and say, when should I let you out? Now, God was the one who's God. Let me ask you a question. Are you facing a difficult scenario right now? Maybe you need to entrust the problem to the Lord and leave it in His hands a while. God can blast through what seems to be an improbable, an impenetrable, an impossible situation. 
I'm telling you, you give that recipe to God, God can part some waters. J. Hudson Taylor said, I am waiting on thee, Lord, to open the way. Amy Carmichael, again, the missionary to India, wrote, Blessed are the single-hearted. We mentioned just a moment ago, it was in that stillness, she said, you know what his will is. But blessed are the single-hearted. Why? A double-minded man is unstable in um, all of his ways. Waiting on God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first activity under control. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. Third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. And so he says, wait. But not only did he say to wait, but then what did he say? Because what what follows when you're in the face, you're in the line of fire, you have no no, uh, uh, um, shield to protect you, and you're told to stand still, don't do anything, well, what tends to follow? Well, on our end, if we're not really trusting God, it's fear. He said, wait. Then he says, don't be afraid. Matthew Henry said, in times of great difficulty and great expectation, it is our wisdom to keep our spirits calm, quiet, and sedate, for then we are in the best frame both to do our own work and to consider the work of God. In other words, he's saying, deal with your fear. God didn't give you fear. There's all kinds of fear. There's fear of dirt, fear of water, fear of darkness, high places, fear of being buried alive, fear of the dead, fear of confined places. There's the fear of number 13. There's the fear of abandonment. I mean, I'm just going down a list. Get all these. Larry King's greatest fear. Uh, For the 20th anniversary of Larry King Live, Barbara Walters interviewed uh, him. and, And she says, what's your greatest fear? He immediately replied, death. And this occurred in 2005 when he was at the very top of his career And he felt like he had so much to lose. But none of that mattered compared to the fear of death. Her follow-up question was, do you believe in God? God, King stated, not sure. I'm an agnostic. You should fear death. Because death means no more chances. Someone said the worst thing about dying is hell. But what's the worst thing about hell? Separation from the God who loves you. Fear not. God is saying to his people, bring your emotions under control. Work your way from fear to faith. Trust me, for I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to fight for you. Remember one time being in the presence of a pastor while traveling in Bible college. And and we were talking about this very matter of just so much we want to do. We got to do, we got to get, we got to get after it. And remember the pastor, I can't even tell you the pastor's name. I remember the, the, the location where we were, but he said, there's a, there's a great problem when you're in a hurry and God's not. 
You know, and I, it took me a long time as it would just come back to me. Oftentimes we're trying to, to, to get our, we've got our agenda, we've got our plans, we've got our rank, our order, our this and our, and we're just, we've got to get it done, we've got to get it done, and we're doing it in the name of God. And God is saying, I, I really don't have anything to do with that. It's an insult to God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached a sermon on the terror of the disciples during the storm on Galilee, and he ended up with a very sharp conclusion. He said, quote, I do not care what the circumstances may be. The Christian should never be agitated. The Christian should never be beside himself. The Christian should never be at his wit's end, should never be in a condition in which he has lost. Why? It implies a lack of trust and confidence in him. We talk in the school, we have a book, a child's book, and it talks about the two different kinds of brains, either a brick brain or a bubblegum brain. And the brick brain is one who really cannot see outside the box of human possibility. They get frazzled, get impatient, get flustered. And what they miss is the God of the impossible. Brick Brain says, God promised a son, but he's not coming through. I'm getting old. I'm 100 years old. My wife is 90. I think we need to do something. Yeah, once you stand still, watch God work. reason why we don't pray, reason why we don't seek God's face, the reason why we manufacture our own miracles is because we just haven't really experienced God. Many times you can't solve your problem, heal your hurt, challenge, or excuse me, change your circumstance or win your own battle. He doesn't want you to. But here's what you can do and you must do. Kneel in prayer. Then stand to see what God will do and watch Him work. Leave room for God. How? By staying calm and giving Him time to work. Stand together, please. Lord, I'm so very thankful for this Exodus 14 and we just see the ups and the downs of God's people and I see so many different elements because here you show us and tell us and, and we get to see you saying different things, conflicting things. But that's your right and that's your prerogative and it's right and true because your God and your ways are perfect. And it's our responsibility to seek you and to experience you. And no matter the, the, the winds or the waves, no matter the storm, we can always trust you. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
So Lord, would you deliver people tonight from leanness unto their own soul? Would you revive us so that you get the glory? Would you do the work that needs to be done in every heart and life? You're God. And we trust you and submit to you as such. As the piano plays tonight, we invite you to do business with God.